What's going on, people? This is live after hours on the man cave with your host Terry Wicks and your co-host Mark Senior. We're gonna get it started just like this. We're gonna start off with the NFL. The Cleveland Browns are the top, not only the town but also in the sports world. They made a trade with the New York Giants, but not once, but twice. The first trade that they got rid of, they picked up Olivier Vernon, the defensive end from the Giants, which I thought was a savvy move on behalf of John Dorsey, you know, in, in the Dorsey Trust. Right. Follow that up a week later. They pick up Odell Beckham Jr. The Browns give up Jabril Peppers. A first-round draft pick, their 17th pick of this year's coming draft. They also give a third-round draft pick this coming draft that will be taken part of in Memphis, Tennessee. And I look at what the Browns did. I'm going to just say this. John Dorsey, when you get you a GM in there that understands football, has a football mind, and know what it takes to build a perimeter team from top to bottom to make your team a contender in the, in the Super Bowl. Not only the Super Bowl, just to make the playoffs, let alone. The Browns haven't made the playoffs since 2002, folks. 2002, that's a long time. 17 that, years. 17 years. You know what's so crazy about that? I was a sophomore in high school. That's how long that's been. And I thought that's great. <laughs> it's a great pickup for the Browns. OBJ on the outside. You can move Jarvis back into the slot. We have been almost a hundred ball plus receiver and in the slot position. You get Odell Beckham, get your home run hitter and a deep ball threat. You still get Antonio Callaway who is start who is still learning the nuance of the football game. Then you go in your backfield with Nick Chubb, who I thought had a stellar or a great rookie year, even though I got outshadowed by Saquon Barkley, who won rookie of the year. Then you look at they added Kareem Hunt, who just can't, who's going to be on an eight-game suspension. He would not appeal that. You know, he's only making the league minimum. The Browns get him cheap. He's still on a rookie contract. I think his contract is now what? He's going to lose, um, what? I think he's making, what, 540 k or something like that? So he's going to lose half that once the eight-game suspension start. So you look at what the Browns is doing, and I'm going to ask you, Marcus, what is the positive that you take from the Browns adding these players, and what's the negative you still think the Browns should work on? Yeah, so John Dorsey, he, you know, he's trying to be the, uh, like the GM of the year because he basically – Filled all the Brown like the majority of the hoes. You know, he uh, added some some defense, and then he came right back to the Giants. I was like, I need a little bit more from y'all. I need and you want to get some outside threat because we ain't got that here in Cleveland. So I'm just gonna add, arguably, you know, the best receiver in the game, and OBJ. Mm -hmm. And you know, the Browns they had serviceable wide receivers. Right. And then they had, like you said, like you mentioned, they had Jarvis Landry kind of playing out of position. He's really like a slot, an inside guy. Uh -huh. And then you get Pegman, 
to go along with OBJ. Uh-huh. Now your uh, your wide receiver core is set. Your defense it is you know solid. Offensive line is solid. You know you had to give up uh, Jabril Peppers, who was good, but I do Jabril Peppers for OBJ any day of the week. I mean it does all. We had to give up a draft pick where where we was picking at 17, we wasn't going to get a, a, the best wide receiver in DK Metcalf. He's probably going to go early. And then we also got a, a veteran, you know, defensive guy. Yeah. So I, I don't really have any – I don't see real, any real negative points about the trade. I think uh, the Browns came out, like, very balanced. You know, and you can't forget that they signed Kareem Hunt. You know, earlier, you know, in the um, in the off season, even though he's gonna be gone for eight games, you still got that addition to go along with the other offensive moves he made. So, right, I think the Browns is like complete. I think they're at the top of the. I know you, you said know, their division now. Right, I know you said the Browns got Bashar Pyramid, but Bashar Pyramid, you signed a one-year deal with the Browns. Once he figured, once he learned the Browns. Made a trade to get Odell Beckham Jr. He got his contract terminated and signed a one-year deal for $4 million with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So once he did that, so once he did that, so that, year, that, that contract with the Buccaneers, it was, it's actually it's, it's, it's good for him because Deshaun Jackson is back in Philly. So Bashar Pyramid is going. So you got Bashar Pyramid only going to be the number two receiver because they still got Mike Evans over there. And you still so that make him the number two, the number two option. He only reason he signed with the Browns because he know he thought if this is before they picked up Odell, he had a better chance of being that number one guy. Once he figured once the Browns got Odell, he said, "No, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go to Tampa Bay. There's no Deshaun Jackson, and you know Bashar Pyramid, you know." Played phenomenal for the Browns last year in the second half. Phenomenal. But you got to realize who the Bashar Pyramid agent is. Drew Roosevelt. Drew Rosenhaus. So he's going to make sure he's going to get the best situation for his player. And also, he's going to make sure his client is going to get the the biggest paycheck or a big payday that he's going to receive. It's not a one-year deal betting on himself. going to stay with the Browns. He could, have been, he could have been on the other side and Jarvis in the slot. You just have all type of receivers. But you got to do his best. He got to do his best for him at the end of the day. As I look at the Browns, I think the Browns are going to make some noise. But the the positive I take away from this, I never seen the the, the positive is about, about what the Browns did. Tickets are sold out. OB, OBJ jersey is going to be the hottest of the jersey in the NFL this coming season. The negative is the Browns need a safety. The only team in our division, the only team that has a safety in our division really is Baltimore with Earl Thomas. That was a great pickup for them. They got a five-year deal for $55 million. He was in contract touch with the, with the Cleveland Browns for a three-year deal, but they didn't have much money he was, he was expecting to get. But Earl Thomas got a five-year deal, $55 million. I mean, he's going to end his career with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, also, they picked up Mark Ingram. From the New Orleans Saints, 
because Alvin Kamara New Orleans pretty much stole all of Mark Ingram's signs. So I thought they had the power back in the speed backfield. But, you know, what made that significant for the Baltimore Ravens, winning game, we already, Marcus, where the passing game at? What they going to do? I mean, that was their, their issue. And, you know, the one playoff game they played, you know, Lamar Jackson and um, uh, the back ahead of the time, I can't remember right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they was doing all the run, you know, the run scheme. The Chargers. The, and the Chargers was ready for it. You know, that was like all they can do is run. So now they really didn't answer none of those those issues. You know, like the Browns went out, they tried to answer, you know, their holes. Like they tried to fill their holes up. Um, the Ravens just got more, they just got more run heavy. You know, they didn't, uh-huh. they got more run heavy. And, you know, they kind they of got, filled in some holes with their defense. But they also lost Suggs. You know, they they, they better in defense. Oh, that's so huge. They lost, they lost Suggs, C.J. Mosley, and Eric Weddle. They lost the meat and potatoes of their defense. When you right. lose guys like that, Eric Weddle's going back to please going home, or rather, he's playing for one of his favorite teams. And he's like, he used to watch when he was a kid, the, the L.A. Rams. So he's going back home. He's going there. I'm gonna say back home, rather, to play there. Then you lose, you lose. Terrell sucks to the Arizona Cardinals. According to my sources, they someone said he lives there in the offseason. That's huge. Then you lose CJ Mosley to the Jets. So you look at the you look at the, the AFC North. We just, you just can't crown a champion because they, with, with the Cleveland Browns got on paper. First and foremost, you gotta go out there and play football first. You gotta turn you gotta you gotta win these games. We've seen a lot of teams from baseball. NFL, NBA, college basketball look good on paper, but when it's time to play no big games, these teams shrink. So it's going to be a hurdle. The first hurdle for the Browns is they want to do something. Their mental test and hurdle test will be how they get past the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's their roadblock. Once you can figure out that you can beat them in the season, let them know that you're here, then guess what? You start beating them, other, the other wins will come easy because you feel like we got the monkey off our back beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. So For sure, you know. I mean, game mm-hmm. one, last season, they played them neck and neck all the way to the top. And that was before yeah. Baker, you know, took over uh, the quarterback spot. You know, they had Tyrod in there. Mm-hmm. You know, but they had – they played neck and neck with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they actually beat – Baltimore earlier in the season before, you know, that last game of the season where they ultimately lost. Right. Gave, you know, Baltimore, they play off birth. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, if you look at a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers losing Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, that's kind of that's deep because now you really know James Conner, they're running back. And also, Juju Smith-Schuster. See, he, he put a picture up on Instagram saying he's ready. Let's see, because you know the reason why he was doing a lot of catching the ball because you know AB seems to start, start you know playing more of a, more of a zone defense, no more man, more of a zone. So he's that he's teams is getting that extra help over the top of the AB, which opened the field up for Juju Smith Schuster. So when you look at the AFC North, the Browns have have the power to win twelve games. 
They can't just win 10. They can't go 10 to 6. You got to go out there and win 12 games to at least get you home field advantage or catch your first round by. So I'm looking at other significant moves. Hey, man, first and foremost, before we talk about, about any other trades, I always want to talk about Tyrod Taylor being a pro's pro. Going to the San Diego Chargers to be a backup for Phillip Rivers. He handled his situation in Cleveland like none other. Because if that was any other guy in the situation, the one they start in position back, he handled like a pro's pro. That's what I love about Tyrod Taylor. All right, we're going to bump this along. The Oakland Raiders, eventually we'll be called the Las Vegas Raiders. They got Antonio Brown from the Steelers and also Tyrell Williams from the San Diego Chargers. So they got them a six was a six four wide receiver, Tyrell Williams. You got you a five ten, five eleven, Antonio Brown wide receiver. Now, this is crazy, Marcus. So they had Khalil Mack, the Raiders did, right? And second of all, they had player Amari Cooper, which is the Cowboys. So you get rid of your young wide receiver, you picked up A B who would be thirty one this coming this coming season. And you look at what are they doing? John Gruden. Like what is John Gruden doing? And Mike and Mike Mayock. It's weird. They got this no GM, a sports analyst guy, is as the GM of the Raiders. How crazy is this? Right. I mean, they pretty much gave away Khalil Mack last year at the beginning of the season, and it made the Bears just one of the best defenses in the league. You know, mm-hmm. then they you know helped out Dallas, gave him Amari Cooper. It's like they just don't want none of their good players anymore, you know. So they, so they're trying to, you know, I think trying to make up for that right, with this AB signing. But like mm-hmm. you said, he's thirty-one years old. That in football years, that's 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 pretty old, you know. And um, Derek Carr, I don't, I don't know if he's their answer there at quarterback. So it's like, if this AB thing gonna work out, they're gonna be looking at you know the Los Los Angeles Raiders is gonna be. Or Las Vegas Raiders, they're gonna be starting over from scratch. They're gonna be looking like an expansion team pretty soon if these moves that uh, Gruden and mm-hmm. company are doing don't you know don't pan out. Right. So even though we know the Raiders signed John Gruden like a ten year deal, he making these moves because like I keep you know I keep telling people or I'm talking to anyone, my goes like the, like the little bars you know saying like little sports bars, and the main reason they say he's making these moves. Because he, when he won that Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, he won those that Super Bowl with Tony Dungy players. Tony Dungy drafted these players. He groomed these guys to be pros. So he's feel like ever since he won that Super Bowl, he is not getting the credit that he deserves in the, in the, in, the, in, the, in the past. So he want to build a team his way, his way only. So the next thing I want to say with the Raiders. They got, I think they got three draft picks in the first round. Do you believe they keep De- Derek Carr? Or you feel like they might trade him, draft another quarterback, A, get some more talent around him, and push this team to the limit? Because Derek Carr is on the bad quarterback. 
Yeah, he's not bad at all. He's definitely uh, better than an average. Um, and hopefully this A-B thing, you know, is beneficial to him because I think a lot of his struggles come from him not having the best, you know, receiving core. Mm-hmm. You know, where A-B added, you know, and I think they got to give him, you know, at least another year to evaluate to see if he's the guy. And then if it doesn't work out after this year, they got to look at, you know, get rid of him, get rid of him for a new, you know, younger guy. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the Raiders pay Antonio Brown too much money to be at that position, especially be at the age that he is at being 31 with the new season roll around? I mean, they was going to have to do something. Um, I, I don't know if they overpaid. I think for he's going to make up for that in year one and two. Now, year you know three and four down the line of that contract, mm-hmm. he's probably not going to be worth that at thirty, you know, thirty three, thirty four. You know, mm-hmm. playing wide receiver, you know, any slight build, smaller guy, he's probably not going to earn that contract in those years. But you know, this first year and the year after, I think it's going to be well worth you know the investment. Because mm-hmm, we know Derek Carr, most of his receivers, I think the best receiver last year in the Raiders was Big Jerry Cook. <laughs> and that's the tight end. <laughs> right, right. So, we, I'm not going to say we, but the Raiders, this is going to be a tough, we're going to see how that pan out. Still have a running back. Derek, Derek Carr get flustered under under pressure throws the ball away, throws a lot of interceptions, and his turnover ratio to touchdown ratio is not that good. And you're looking at how this team going to translate. How they gonna, how this team going to translate over with the can they like with Antonio Brown, the character that this guy is. He's a character, so you know, you know, receivers are are divas. Put the diva on your team. How can how, how would Derek Carr handle this? Under pressure, we're playing with a a wide receiver like A. B. I mean, he gonna. I mean, he played with Crabtree, so it's like I think A. B. is like a, a step above in divinness uh, compared to Crabtree. So I think he'll be all, all right playing with A. B. as long as you know they're winning. Number one, and A. B. is getting you know what he feels is you know, the right amount of looks. Uh-huh. Um, but if any of those things, you know, if they start losing right away, um, and then A.B. on top of that is not getting <laughs> the passes he feels should be for him, uh-huh. then it's going to turn into a problem. Then I don't know if, if Derek Carr can have enough. Gruden's going to have to step in and do something about it. And they also, you know, they did, like you said, they signed Tyrell Williams as well. They got to get him. He's a you know, big look, target. He was a big target for Philip Rivers. Right. They're going to have to target. pass him the ball as well. So it's like they're going to have to – Derek Carson really going to have to try to balance that out along with getting the ball to their tight end, like you said, who was their best receiver last year. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to do a balance in that, uh, you know, basically from day one to make sure everybody's happy. All right. Now listen to this. So you get the Jets. 
They got Le'Veon Bell, right? He said Phil Green. He, he said I said Phil Green. He said it feels good to be back to in be the back green and white green. because he played at Michigan State. He's from Columbus, Ohio. Le'Veon Bell said it was one of his dreams to play for the Jets because growing up he loved watching Curtis Martin. Everybody don't know who the Ten Man is. Curtis Martin will run you over. The original twenty eight. Curtis Martin, my favorite Wait. Martin. Right. So you're looking at Le'Veon Bell. No, they got the, the quarterback there as well. Sam Darnold, the young guy who came off a superb rookie season. He has a big arm to show you a glimpse of it. But you look at the Jets with the Le'Veon Bell situation, and they got C.J. Mosley as well. And on defense, they picked up another guy, Anthony Barr from the Vikings. So this team has some run, some run stoppers, and they can plug up the middle. But Le'Veon Bell is an explosive and speedy back who takes his time. But the one thing about him, his negative is he fumbled a lot. He holds the ball like a loaf of bread. He'd be holding the ball high and high and not gonna say high and tight, but having the ball everywhere. He's running with the ball, arms flailing everywhere, just keep, instead of keeping the ball with close to him, high and tight. But I thought it was a good pickup for the Jets to go with Sam Darnold to get him that security blanket that he needs. Not only he's a, he can, he's a nice blocking running back too as well with something that Sam Darnold needs to get, to actually spread the uh, the ball down the field. So when you look at the Jets with Le'Veon Bell situation and a C.J. Mosley on the linebacker and Anthony Burrow linebacker, is this team that much of a threat? That can they can they actually make a move to be the second best team in the AFC East? Because you know who the best team in that division is. It's going to still the New England Patriots. Like, where do you see the Jets falling at? Or how do you think they would fit in with these guys that they picked up at these acquisitions? I mean, I think they're going to fit in well. I think they're going to definitely help out Darnold. You know, he did. He wasn't that bad his rookie season, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Baker came in, uh, people were saying that, you know, he may have been the, the best running rookie quarterback they had. I mean, the, in the NFL. So, I think the pickups were good for him. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to definitely flourish with that offense because he's going to be like their go-to guy. They're going to have to uh, get him the ball early and often to take a lot of pressure off Donald. Even though, like I said, I believe he's, you know, more than adequate at the quarterbacks by throwing the ball. Uh-huh. But, you know, if you sign Bell for that money, you got to give him a rock. Right. Even though I think, you know, you know, looking over the deal, I don't know if it's that much better than what Pittsburgh was offering them, but that's, you know, that's a whole other conversation. All right. Then we go to the Dolphins and the Titans. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a Buccaneer last year. You know, he had the whole Fitz matches going on. Fitz Houdini, he was carrying that team. I thought they should have kept him in because I thought they had a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. Then they finally put Jameis in, who... Who was who was who was not leading his team to victories? And you put Ryan Fitzpatrick in. You know he's having games of 400 yards or better and throwing about three to four touchdowns. And Deshaun Jackson was having a, a heck of a, a hell of a season until they put James back in. James couldn't get the ball down the field. He couldn't push it out there like Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you got Ryan Fitzpatrick signing a two-year deal for 11 million dollars with the Miami Dolphins plus incentives. So Ryan Fitzpatrick. Everybody knows that he's uh, just one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. Him and his 
Sonic can solve math problems, like the like calculus math problems in three <laughs> seconds. So you're looking at a, a player like Ryan Fitzpatrick to eight. The Miami Dolphins are gonna love him. Especially when he just signed Devontae Parker to the contract and other guys. Now looking at the Miami Dolphins, even though they play in that same division with the New York Jets and the Patriots, can Fitzpatrick bring some of that Fitz magic from Tampa Bay to Miami? All he did is just move down the street, basically. So Ryan right, Fitzpatrick. Right, right. So you're looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitz magic. Can he can he be the same quarterback that he was last season in the Bucks jersey? That's what I want to know. What do you think? I think he could. I mean, I thought the Dolphins was a was a pretty good team. You know, these past few years, you know, like, we got one of their players. You know, we got the juice. We got Landry. Thinking, you know, when he was there, there was mm-hmm. just like a player away. You know, to being really, really good. You know, mm-hmm. and last year. I felt the same way. There's just a player away from being really, really good. And maybe that player was at the quarterback position. You know, maybe yeah. they had to get rid of Tannehill and bring in Fitzpatrick. So I don't think they can, you know, speaking of that division, uh-huh. you know, with the Jets, I think they could probably, you know, get the, the Patriots, you know, run for their money in that division with Fitzpatrick, you know, running the show. Right. Because I'm looking at, as you said, piggyback, what you said, Ryan Tannehill, like you said, was their quarterback. And people forget that he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M. They shipped, they shipped him over to be the uh, quarterback. And, you know, I thought he was never a good quarterback from the jump for the Dolphins because he couldn't, he's another guy who couldn't push the ball out there and who was very careless with the careless with the ball as well. So I'm looking at. Ryan Tannehill to be a backup. Look, he goes from a starting quarterback to the backup quarterback to Marcus Mariota. If I was Ryan Tannehill, I would feel horrible because I'm. I went from a starter and I'm a backup. So this pretty much saying Ryan Tannehill has to deep, dig deep, deep inside to figure out what's wrong to win a starting position. Because he's not going to beat out Marcus Mariota because Marcus Mariota runs. He can throw. He can get the ball downfield. I just feel like that Tennessee Titans team is missing something else besides a backup quarterback. They need a, they need a big-time playmaker, wide receiver as well. Just because you're looking at a team like the Titans, they, like, their whole thing is they can't get past the Houston Texans and they always jump up, at least mess up one or two games against the Colts in that division in the AFC South. So I'm looking at them with Ryan Tannehill being a backup quarterback to Marcus Mariota, and they trade him away for a little or nothing. And you're looking at here, Earl. What you think about Earl Thomas and the Baltimore Ravens with Mark Ingram? I mean, Earl Thomas has been a beast. You know, I thought um, in the Legion, five million. Mm-hmm. the Legion of Boom, he was one of the most underrated, uh, you know, defensive backs they had. You know, people they always see them talk about uh, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, uh, or Richard Sherman. You know, Earl Thomas rarely I mentioned, but mm-hmm. I think he's a dominant uh, defensive back. I think it, it definitely 
brings back some Eric was the Eric Reed memories with the with the Ravens. You know, I think he's that caliber of player. Right. But I just don't think they have enough offensively, you know, mm-hmm. to really make some noise. I think they're real limited. But right. it's definitely a, he definitely gonna be a problem. Right. Now that was that was it for football. So about the NBA. So you was telling us we had a conversation before we jumped on here. And you think it's a possibility that Mark Cuban can land Kevin Durant from the Golden State Warriors to come join Krista Porzingis and Luka Donich to the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, so this is my conspiracy theory for the NBA right now. You know, I was just looking at their team. I'm like, man, they got Luka. He, he's like an all-star already. Even though he didn't make the all-star team, they can get Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Like, man, he's like an all-star too. So it's like it reminded me of Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki back in those Dallas days. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, if they just had one more player, man, they, they'd be a beast out there in the West. Then right. start looking at their cap space. Like, okay. man, they got like $30 million in cap space. I'm like, man. Yeah. I'm like, Mark Cuban, you know, he, 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 like, he in the tech. You know, Kevin Durant in the tech. I'm like, that's like a perfect match. You know, like he signed with Dallas. It's like, it's reminiscent of when LeBron came back to Cleveland. You know, he got the two young guys, you know, like uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie. You know, like they all, like, you know, borderline all-stars. And then he can take them to the promised land. I'm like, man, that that may be a low-key low dark horse move right there. Uh-huh. And it's so crazy that you said that because I keep hearing that Kimball Walker may go to the Dallas Mavericks. You know, you put him at the one, you move Luke over back to the two, and you still got K, K, I mean, Christophe Porzingis, KP. So that's still not a bad look with Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is another owner out there who, you know, if he wants a player, he can actually get him, or he can just walk around the facilities, show him with his how they can do things the Dallas Mavericks way. And, you know, one thing about Mark Cuban, he's ride or die with his, with his players and his team, first and foremost. But that Kevin Durant to Dallas don't sound too bad. But, my friend, I would pump my brakes on that one. I don't think KD would go there. It's still looking like New York to me in my eyes. But something keep down inside, keep telling me, that he may sign with the Washington Wizards. Why not Washington? You got Bradley Beal under contract. And the crazy thing is you hometown got John team. Wall. You got yeah, you got the hometown team and John Wall gonna miss the whole season. So if you bring if if you bring in Kevin Durant to the Washington Wizards, we can move John Wall when he wants to get healthy. They can trade him. Get another access piece, maybe pick up another player or another point guard for a veteranship, and 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 Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal can carry the Washington Wizards to higher heights, to where they've never been. You no, know, so far, I think that may be a good situation. He's not. He he said he don't want to play for the home team, but you, you every time they mention it, I don't hear it is that much. So it's still a possibility in the back of his head that he may go home. And play for the Washington Wizards. That'd be crazy if we do. 
I mean, shift his balance back. Because once John Wall returned, they that's a three-headed monster. You know, they right there in the thick of things in the East mm-hmm. with KD, Bill, and Wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with KD. Yeah, we're looking at KD. That's not even crazy. KD, John Wall, and Bradley Beal. You still got the young, the young nice center Thomas Bryant, who's actually come, who's actually coming to his own zone. So they got some pieces there to make moves to be another. They can be elite team in the East for sure. I mean, like that just goes to show, like KD, the decision he made this summer is it can really shake up the league. You know, you know the the power is going to move to wherever team he decided to go to, like, they're going to all instantly become contenders. So he, his decision can change the next couple of years in the NBA, you know, if he mm-hmm. go east or west. Exactly. Um, and we talk about the NBA, but if the playoffs started today with the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors clinched the playoff spot last night. So you're looking at their, or the couple nights ago, rather, they are 47 wins and 21 losses. So the playoffs are today, they playing the Clippers. And the Clippers is a team that shocked me because, you know, once they made all them trades, people wrote the Clippers off as not being a playoff contender team. That team, the Clippers are playing with a, with a chip on their shoulder. Lou Williams became the all-time six-man scorer in NBA, in NBA history. Dale Curry held that record, people. He said for, was it 19 years? He said 19 years right, he had Charlotte's that record. And, he, and Lou Williams broke the record. Lou Williams is a serviceable player. He played with AI in Philly. So he, another guy who played with a Hall of Famer who doesn't get enough credit around the league by peers, especially when he had like, he, you know, he come off the bench, he's going to give you 40, maybe give you 30, going right. to give you a game winner. Lou Williams is probably one of the most unappreciated six men in the league. He is that valuable to a team. Can you imagine if he's a free agent, some of the calls that he get? He could actually be on a, on a playoff or an NBA contention team that can win a title because a player like him will make it easier for the starting guard. Right. He can change series, you know. You coming off the bench with that, you know, like that Jamal Crawford type ability to put the ball in the basket. Like you can be down, you know, two games in a series. You go home, you know, go back to L.A. and he give you a fifty point game off the bench like that. That's a momentum changer, you know. It, like he 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 can start right now, but that's a, a, another benefit about him is he know his role is to come up come off the bench and provide spark and score. And he's, like, basically mastered it. So that's, like, that give like you said, room for your starters, you know, to, you know, play, you know, very comfortable. Like, yeah, if, you know, I don't get it together, you know, they're going to bring in Lou and we can get right back in this thing. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at, so I'd be the one and the eight. Warriors, 47 wins, 21 losses. The Clippers, 40 wins and 30 losses. Then you go to Utah as a 7 seed with 40 wins and 29 losses. And then you take on the, the Denver Nuggets at 46 and 22. Now, you, now, we're looking at 
Now we're looking at these teams. Like the Denver Nuggets. Nobody had the Denver Nuggets really that high on their radar when the season one started because everybody had their seeds as Golden State being one, Rockies being two, maybe an OKC at the three and the Portland Trailblazers and whatnot. But you look at the job that Mike Malone is doing for the Denver Nuggets. Look at the players. Nikola Jokic, the Joker, Jamal Murray, they got back Willie Bart. Paul Millsap came back. You're looking at what this team, you know, Paul Millsap, I think the only player on the roster who has playoff, a playoff resume. None of these guys don't. So you got a veteran on your team trying to get there. And the Denver Nuggets is a surprise team in the West. Maybe Mike Malone maybe have his had have his have his thing in for coach of the year. He has my one of my votes for coach of the year. And you look at the Utah Jazz, who shouldn't be a seven seed compared to where they was at last year. This team is the Utah Jazz is underachieving because I think last year they overachieved or they just peaked at the right time. This team is underachieving right. what they've been doing for the last couple of months in the NBA. They've been losing a lot of close. There's a lot of mental things been going on with the Utah Jazz with their with the fan base. Uh, turnovers come over into it and all this. So, so Utah Jazz, yeah, so I think the, they can um, upset you in the first round. The Jazz definitely did overachieve last year. I mean, just you know, win that first playoff round against OKC. Mm-hmm. It was like I know I wasn't expecting it. I was barely expecting them to make the playoffs. Um, you know, so this year, I kind of think that you're right, they did kind of fall. Like, they underachieved based on last year, but I think they kind of fell back to earth. Like, this is probably, like, really where they had. They're probably, like, a, a, a seven seed at best. Um, but like you mentioned, like, they're playing the Denver Nuggets, who was, like, barely made it into the playoffs last year. So Utah was, you got to think about that. Utah was a higher seed than Denver last year, and Denver's the number two seed. Like, mm-hmm. and they... Mike Malone has got them so ready to play this year. You know, like, they changed up, you know, how they play offense and defense. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, coaches really typically don't do that. They don't say, you know, I know we've been doing it this way uh, last year and the year before, but now I'm admitting that that's not working. we got to do something else. But mm-hmm. it has really worked for them. And now they see themselves as a number two seed playing a, a, a underachieving, but I think pretty, you know, adequately play seven C Utah Jazz team. You know, and I think I think that series is probably gonna, you know, Utah got the experience from last year, so I think they're gonna make it a fight. But I think, you know, the Denver get them in six. Well, okay. 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 I can I'm gonna go with Utah in that first round. I say Utah win that series in a five. The seven C being a two C just because Okay, because they they've been there before. They got the experience, and they played a top notch team in the Thunder, and they pushed the they pushed the Thunder all the way out. So you was looking at where this Utah Jazz team come. They got the experience. They still got Donovan Mitchell. So they got the playoff mode. You don't know what you're gonna get from the Denver Nuggets. So I'm gonna take the Utah Jazz to win that in five games. we go the three, the third, the third seed right in the West right now. If the Tigers, they would be the Houston Rockets with 
43 wins, 26 losses. Going over to San Antonio Spurs, 41 wins and 29 losses. So if this game was being played today, Marcus, who would you pick to win this series and why? All right, so yeah, what I've been saying all since we've been recording the pod, I think OKC is, is uh no wait not I mean Houston Houston, Houston James Harden's run has been crazy. You know I was worried for a minute like yeah he can't keep that up he gonna you know burn out in the playoffs but he kind of slowed down I think purposely these last mm-hmm. couple of weeks for this mm-hmm. playoff run mm-hmm. and I see him just turning it back up you know against the Spurs I, I don't think. I think what Pop did to get the Spurs at the six seed is like a, a minor miracle. But I think Houston with CP healthy, you know, they got Capella healthy. You know, they got Fareed off the bench. Um, Eric Gordon, you know, I think they, they, they starting to really get a click and they peaking at the right time. I think they, they could possibly sweep the Spurs team. So when you, when you when I look at the Houston Rockets, man, shout out to their GM picking up the Manimal. The Manimal was sitting on the bench for the Brooklyn Nets, was collecting dust like my old middle school basketball trophy, collecting dust. <laughs> Every now and then, you got to bring that trophy out, get the rag, shine him up, and make it look bright again. That is a great pickup because right, right, right. the minimal is going to bring you to. He's going to bring you straight to nasty defense. He's going to hustle. He's going to give it all he's got. And the one thing I like about him, he runs the floor. He's he's going to nice. be the X factor for what the Houston Rockets do against the Spurs. You look at the Spurs. Lamarcus Aldridge is not playing like Lamarcus Aldridge to me. Like how he's playing in Portland. <laughs> And you're looking at DeMar DeRozan. If you notice, when DeMar DeRozan was in the East, we heard more from DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan in the West, you hear less from him. Because with Popovich, he's real quiet. He's, real quiet. he's in the crazy. He's still efficient. He's still getting buckets. And that's the, that's the thing. So if, if I had to pick to win this series, I'm going to go with the Houston Rockets to win this series in six games. What do you think? How many games do you think they're going to win? Yeah, I said I think it's, it might be a sweep. Ooh, I mean, bring out bring out the switch or the dust or the dustpan and broom. Dustpan and broom for sure for this one. <laughs> so dustpan and broom, you leave a little crumbs on the floor every now and then. Come back and sweep it later. All right. right. Wow, he's he going with that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, I know Pop is who you know who he is, but. I see that uh, Houston is clicking at the right moment. All right. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see. I don't see a Spurs in the game. I honestly don't. Okay, moving right along. You got the Portland Trail Blazers at that four seed with forty two wins and twenty seven losses, and the OKC Thunder, forty two wins and twenty eight losses. Now this, now to me, looking at this playoff scenario, because it's still like 10, 10 games left in the season. If the, if the season, if the playoff season started today, this would probably be the best intriguing matchup in the Western Conference because you got probably the probably if if not 
the best backcourt or the second best backcourt in the league with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, who had a, sc- a scary injury last night, starting the playoffs. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but we wish him a speedy recovery. So I'm looking at that with the Portland Trailblazers hat. Then they added Enos Kentner, give him a nice little presence in the middle to give you give you a good 10 points, nine rebounds a game because he plays hard too as well. But you look at the OKC Thunder, and I know you said this about three, four pods ago. You've got Jerry Grant, Terrence Ferguson, Stephen Adams, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. That is a very long and athletic starting lineup, to be honest with you. And that team is pretty pretty scary good because Jaron Grant is coming into his own. Coming to his own. Paul George may be the best two-way player in the league. Every All his numbers across the board are career highs. Can he be, like you said, he was your, he was your favorite to be the MVP. He can't be the, the dark horse for the MVP with the numbers he's been putting up. Average almost, what, eight rebounds per game. Almost 28s per game. And you're looking at the steals. The dude is almost averaging three steals a game. At the three spot, Paul George, is, he has a smooth game about right. him. This Thunder team can be very scary for a lot of teams in the West. I think they are. I mean, like you said, this is going to be the series I'm going to watch out every game of, every second of. I think it's going to be the best matchup if they, it do holds true Portland versus OKC because I think they these teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, I mean, I think they uh, diagnosed C.J. McCollum just having a, a strain on his knee. Um, but if he has more than a strain, they got to be out a significant amount of time, like they missed some playoff games. I think OKC then, you know, kind of takes this series easily. But if C.J. McCollum going to play and he's going to be, you know, at least 90%, I think this is going to be a seven-game series, and it's like a toss-up for me. You know, I, I, like I said, I picked um, – Paul George to be the Dark Horse MVP. But he's kind of slowed down and then kind of been letting, you know, Russ try to get, you know, get in some type of groove, which meant hurting him. So it's like, it's hard for me to pick now. I was like, man, because they was rolling a few weeks ago. I think they was already all the way up to, like, second place. But then now they back down to fifth. So it's like, this is a team that's kind of going in the wrong direction um, to start the playoffs. I can't agree with you anymore because I'm looking at how the team is slowing down. You can tell a lot of teams now are getting into that mode where, you know what, we're going to take it easy. We're going to take our foot off the gas just a little bit. We're going 70. We're going to bring it back down to 68. We're going to still bring that pressure and give you a little gas so we can push a little bit, give you a little throttle. But I do have, I feel like you, this team was as much as far as, like, was close to a two, two or three seed, and they fell back to the fifth seed. You know, it could be injuries. I like how Russell Westbrook has taken a step back and let Paul George lead his team to victories. Because at one point in time, you know, you're looking at some of the stats, you know, Russell Westbrook is getting like probably like 17 points on a certain night, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. And Paul George, look, we got 35 and 40. So Russell Westbrook is slowing down because he want he want to, save some of that energy for the playoffs because when Russell Westbrook is at the top of his game, he's going full throttle, getting them, them, 
them games like that. And it, the one thing I like about it, Paul George getting a shine on. You know what? I work, I played with KD before. Since I since I played with another superstar, this superstar is different. Let's see. Let me just move back a little bit and let and let PG handle it. That's what I like about Russell Westbrook. What is down on Russell Westbrook that the people not take is not noticing. His turnover ratio was down. When he have a high turnover ratio, that team normally loses because he forced a lot of shots. And one thing I like, his three point his three point attempts is down too, so he don't have to. He's doing a little bit more driving now to the cup. That's right, that's right. always good when Russell Westbrook is playing like that. So you said this game may go seven. I'm going to say, ooh, this is tough because, like I said, this is one of those games. See, especially if McCollum is going to be healthy, man, it's going to be a tough one. I'm going to go OKC and six because I feel like OKC is going to steal game one from the Portland Trailblazers at the house that they did play in the first round. And before we go to the Eastern Conference, I know you're about to say something. What you about to say, Mark? I'm going to say, you know, uh, and they got that chip on their shoulder from last year. You know, like, mm-hmm. like we just talked about where Utah came in round one and shocked everybody and, and got them out of there. So that, that, that had to have like, a bad taste in their mouth. So they can't come in. And I, I don't think they will take these Portland Trailblazers lightly. Like, they got to be eager you know, to avenge their playoff exit last year. They got to come out and fight. I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think they can do it. Yeah, I agree with that a whole percent. They, this team, the Portland Trailblazers is always the overlooked team in the West. You know, people know they're good, but the people don't really pay attention to look there and at the Motor Center. You know what's so funny before we go to the Eastern Conference? Who is one guy named that we didn't mention about the playoffs? Who is that guy? Like, where is this guy at? This guy played in eight straight NBA finals. He's not oh, even that mentioned. Guy. That guy. That guy. I mean, what, who, 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 who he play for? Who he uh, play for? <laughs> I think that was lost. L-O-S-T, Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we talked about a Laker, uh, a LA team. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the Los Angeles Lakers though. I think it was the Clippers. They played in the same the building. Clip show. <laughs> they played the same building. How rare is that? This would be the. They said this would be like the. This is what. LeBron James first time missing the NBA playoffs. You know, he's the ultimate, the ultimate competitor. I just thought this team went downhill when the Lonzo Ball injury came up. Once LeBron James started handling the rock, the team started plumbing. Once they took the team, the ball out of Rondo hands, the team started plumbing. This team was high as a four seed. This team is what the eleven seed. You know what? This team is easily now to be a lottery team. This team could get a lottery pick once LeBron. Once the rumors came out there, and the LeBron James said he would love to play with Anthony Davis. I kid you not. And two days later, here come Anthony Davis and little old Richard Paul. It ain't Rich Paul, little old Richard Paul. Came along and said, my client demands a trade. And thought that was bad for his team because the Pelicans 
was in playoff contention. They were at, I think they were at AC. Now you see where I'm getting with this? Mo- mm. Morales in both locker rooms change. This team, the Pelicans, go from the AC to being the 13th seed. You, right, like, you look at the Lakers, they dead last. <laughs> you go look at the Lakers, they go from 4th to 11. This is the LeBron James effect. LeBron James and he want a certain player, they're going to say, let's make way. And I thought it threw it off because this Lakers team had the potential to be a playoff team. You see what they did to, on Christmas to the Golden State Warriors? This this I thought the Lakers were suited up for. LeBron James wanted to go to L.A. He got younger talent around him. The guys was long and athletic. Then all of a sudden, I feel like LeBron James is slowing down. LeBron James is... 34 years old. The new NBA season be 35. So you're looking at a player like LeBron James in his prime. He is slowing down. This guy that played eight straight NBA finals has won three out of the last six NBA finals. And you're looking at a player of his cap this player of his caliber at the age that he is, he never had an offseason to really Get the body relaxed. He's on full goal mode. So you're looking at eight straight playoff appearances, eight straight NBA Finals appearances. You are talking about extra, probably another two or three seasons in him. All right. Body needs some rest. Come back next year. Regroup. Get the team that you want and see and take it from there. If you don't get none of these guys, LeBron, LeBron is stuck and lost. Angeles. Right. You know, I see you trying to plant seeds at that uh, Toronto game with Kawhi. But, oh, yeah. We, we, we stay in contact. Come on, man. No, okay. bro, that's a t- not on TV, bro. This, oh, this, this time LeBron want to be bold. I'm not putting the jersey or a towel up. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Hey, might we be in touch with, with Space Jam to be the silent Space Jam character, Kawhi? Yeah, he's going to be in Space Jam. He, like, like I said about Anthony Davis, he'll be in L.A., just not wearing a Lakers uniform. <laughs> ooh. So, ooh. So you think... He could play for the Clippers because they hold the Pelicans hold his destiny. What are he gonna do? What, what he what uh what he what uh, he gonna do? Uh, Anthony Davis rather he gonna pull the Le'Veon Bell? Gonna get trading just hit the whole season out to become a free agent next year? That's a lot of basketball to be missing. This ain't the NFL. That's a lot of basketball to be missing. That's a lot. I think the Pelicans gonna trade him. Um, I think um, that one of the places they could trade him is the Clippers. Um, but I think Boston is the package they want. I think he end up in Boston. Yeah, I uh, think the I think the subject is that dark horse. You know, Danny Ainge said he told them to wait. Danny right. Ainge told them to wait. We could talk about True. this in the summer, man. If they get if they get Anthony Davis to Boston, LeBron, you better go get you a Jimmy Butler or Kawhi boy. You better right. do something, man. And, and that's why I think Kawhi. I think he gonna. I really think it's a strong sense he's, he stays in Toronto. But if he do leave, he's the guy I think is going to be a Clipper, not a Laker. If he does leave, he does leave and go west, mm. it's going to be for the Clippers, not the Lakers. Mm. Very, very intriguing. So we can go to the Eastern Conference. The Milwaukee Bucks, who clinched the playoff spot three weeks ago. The Milwaukee Bucks. New arena. Eric Bledsoe signed a, well, 
a what four year deal or five year deal for seventy million dollars. That team record is fifty two and seventeen. They just added Pal Gasol last week. They would be going up against the Miami Heat, thirty three and thirty six. The Miami Heat fellas and ladies mm. wasn't nowhere in playoff contention. Snuck in there. Snuck in there. Dwayne Wade grows a fro. He get the cornrows to the back. <laughs> His final dance. Can you imagine? He got that dude back and wrote that hair. Right. Can you imagine in the first round, Dwayne Wade last season in the NBA, he carried this team to the playoffs. Mr. Wade County, win or lose. If you go to that game, the one thing people will say, we witnessed Dwayne Wade to go to his last NBA playoffs, Dirk Nowinski, 21 season in the league, no playoffs. You're looking at Kobe Bryant, his last year in the league, when he tore his Achilles, no NBA playoffs. You see what I'm getting with this? Dwayne Wade, arguably the third best shooting guard in NBA history. And this is, this is good for him. This is a good look. Came back to Miami where it all started. And his, you said his last season going to be in the playoffs? To be in the playoffs this year? I mean, that's, that's huge look at the Miami Heat. But the one thing that's going to knock on the Miami Heat is Hassan Whiteside. He played lackadaisical. Some games he win it, some games he's not. What can you get out of him? He's signing all that money. He's not coming to play. Um, I feel like he can do more to help his team. He should be like the second or third best center in the East. Period. If not the third best right. or second, he should be the first best. His, he should have he should have number num, number and monster numbers on that board. We look at that. We looking at Hassan Whiteside. You just looking at him like what? What's wrong? He's not. Is he mentally tough? What you think, Mark? I don't think he is, and his contract is terrible. I mean, like not only does he not give you one hundred percent every game. Mm, oh, okay. He signed to a terrible number, so they're going to have to try to get – I think they're going to try to get rid of him. That's their only hope to getting better is getting rid of his contract, you know, for some younger pieces because he, he definitely don't be bringing it like he should. Yeah, you talk about that guy a couple of seasons ago. This guy, this, this, he is built like Dwight Howard. This guy, Hassan Whiteside, should be least averaging at least – 20 points and almost about 19, 20 rebounds. The matchup uh, he's going to be against, man, great pick about the books, bringing in Paul Gasol, who won NBA championships, who know what, know what it takes to get the team to the next level. This Milwaukee Bucks have all the ingredients to be an NBA championship contender. When you break it down, they got their MVP, who may be, Giannis on the Kumbo, you know, all the writers say, we don't think Giannis can be the face of the lead, but you think James Harden can? You see what Giannis is doing? Freak Greek? He's doing all of this work with no jump shot. Straight to the homework, <laughs> to the basket. No jump shot. No True. jumper. True. This dude's going to the rack. He's averaged almost about 28 points per game and also getting you 11 boards. Marcus, when you're looking at MVP, this is what I think most valuable player is. He get the best around. He get the best out of his players around him. He's doing this with no jumper, and he's coachable. That's why I look at the MVP, the most valuable oh, player. Dude. If you sit James Harden down, this team lose. If y'all sit down, this team still can win because you can still plug pieces in that can score. You can get you a power Gasol. You can get you. 
You, you still got a Malcolm Brown. You still got a Chris Middleton that can get buckets. This team has what it takes to have NBA pedigree. So, in that first round, who you? How many games will it take the Bucks or the Heat to win this series? Well, I think it's going to take the Bucks. Uh, I give it five games. I give it five. I think uh, the Heat win game three, but then that's all they win. So I think. The Ooh, Bucks okay, I was going to say the same thing. Okay, we're in the same page. Make, I was the same. Make, I was make this light work. <laughs> I was going to say Bucks. I was say the Bucks. I was going to say the Bucks in the five. They win the first two games at home. Team get hungry. D Wade come out his probably won no playoff speeches. The team come out there and play like the gym was on fire. And I was going to say they win game three at home and lose the next two. <laughs> um, next, you got the second seed, the Red. Raptors forty nine and twenty going against the Brooklyn Nets thirty six and thirty five. So when you look at that, I'm gonna let you start this one off. You tell me how you feel about the Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets in this playoff match. So I think um, the Raptors is you know they're very similar to the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, like they're just a well coached, um, well balanced team. You know, and then they got, they just so happen to have, you know, one of the top top five, top ten players in the league with Giannis and Kawhi. So I think they are going to be ready to go, and they definitely want to feel like they got a better shot this year in the East because, you know, uh, LeBron James out there. So I feel like they, they feel like this is, if now is, if now is not, not the time for us to, to move to the NBA Finals, then when is? So... But then on the other hand, you got the Brooklyn Nets, who is mm-hmm. a young team, mm-hmm. a real hungry team, an interesting mm-hmm. team to watch. You know, um, D'Angelo Russell, like in crunch time this year, has been up there with the best. You know, he, he got ice in his veins, you know, and, and like, and they also another uh, well balanced team. You know, they got every position. They got guys who's going to play hard and play to the end. You know, they got Joe Harris, the shooter. You know, Dinwiddie off the bench, D'Angelo Russell, you know, the, the scoring playmaking guy, um, Karis LeVert, all-around player, and, you know, they got the fro back there trying to clean up everything on the defense end. So I think they are a well-balanced team. I think this series is going to be closer than what most expect. I think it goes six, maybe. No, it's going to go six games, but I think Toronto can clean it up in six games. I think, you know, Brooklyn is going to give them a run for their money. So you got Toronto in six. Um, the way I look at this series, just think about it. This is the same team. This is the same NBA team, right? From last year, they only added Jeremy Lin, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Patrick McCall, and uh, Danny Green. So basically everybody else is pretty much the same. They added two guys. And they got Marcus Gasol. And Marcus Gasol, I'll take that back. So they added five guys, but you added two guys that got championship experience. This team is well deep. This team can possibly can host the Larry O'Brien Trophy once said and done. And I'm looking at this team in the playoffs. Man, you got Serge Ibaka, you got Marcus Gasol, you still got Fred VanVleet, you got Norm Powell, you got Pasal Sakum, you got OG Obanobi. This team is deep. This team is deep, first and foremost. Not taking nothing sure. away from with the Brooklyn Nets. You look at the Brooklyn Nets, they, you're looking at the guys they got. Alan Crabb, 
D'Angelo, D'Lo the ice in his veins. Karis LeVert who just came back off that scary injury in the first half of the season. Um, Columbus, Ohio, too, guy. Um, you're looking at this team, how can they be great? Like you said, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's probably another unappreciated guy around the league. When I look at a team like the Brooklyn Nets going up against the Toronto Raptors, I want to say, hey, Commissioner David Stern, he going to be like, what's up, Tay Wiggs? I'm like, can we bring back the, the, the best of five series? If it was the first round, this team going home at three. But the new NBA format, I'm like, hey, I'm like, to my wife, hey, can you get that Hoover out? So what's that? The vacuum cleaner. We sucking them <laughs> right out the playoffs. They going home. We not leaving them nothing. I think every game that they play in the playoffs, if they get the sense to see a team like the Toronto Raptors, I think the Raptors are going to blow these guys out every night by 15 or more points. This team is not well stacked enough oh. on the bench bench work, let alone. Kawhi Leonard, who's, who's going to Kawhi Leonard? Damari Carroll? This is the same Damari Carroll who can guard LeBron James. So you're looking at this guy, what well, he's going to do? Nothing. Uh, who's going to check Marcus on? Nobody. Uh, who's going who's gonna to guard uh, my guy, uh, OG Obanobi? Nobody. This team is just deep. Uh, Ka- um, Kyle Lowry. This team is deep. He, you know he's going to get. But we, I think this year in the playoffs, we, I, I think we're going to see a more aggressive Kyle Lowry. We're not going to see that Kyle Lowry who's normally go 5 for 21 with two points or five points MIA missing in action. I think we're going to see a more hungry, aggressive Kyle Lowry. I got the Raptors in four. Big sweep. Bring out the big dustpan. Bring out the Swifter. <laughs> Bring out the sweat mop they use on the floor to get the sweat off the players. We send them home just like that. The next game, we got the 76ers with the third, 76ers with the third seed. They are 44-25. And you're looking at the Detroit Pistons who snuck in the playoffs. They went, listen, about a couple of weeks ago, this team was not in the playoff contention. They wrote this team off back early mm-hmm. January. They sure did. This team is now, this team is now the sixth seed in the East, 35 wins and 33 losses. Dwayne Casey got this team back in the playoff contention, guys. You're looking at Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. You're looking at this team. Nobody's not talking about the Pistons. Nobody's not talking about the team in Motown. So when you're looking at this, at the 76ers, the one thing that's going to hurt the 76ers I won't be surprised if the Pistons beat the 76ers in this in that round. I, I'm going on a limb on that one. You know, people might you know people might crucify me. They listening out there on the on the on the, the, the pod. I'm gonna say this series goes seven. I'm gonna get that seven games. I'm gonna say that the Pistons win this in seven. I just like what they bring. Yeah, remember so much Joel whoa, and B gonna give you. Joel and B gets hurt. Everybody gets how deep their roster is. But I just think it's something special about these Detroit Pistons team. I think they got their first round in seven games, folks. And you know, if I'm wrong, I you know I'm wrong. But this is my opinion. I think the Pistons has what it takes. Blake Griffin played bully basketball. Andre Drummond. I love to see that matchup because Andre Drummond and uh, Jolin B are always talking smash. But the one the one thing about this series, I'm going to say, your boy Ben Simmons need to find a jumper. He can't shoot a three pointer. Can't shoot a free throw. 
He can't. He can't do nothing. He's one dimensional. He's oh, he's driving to the basket and kick out. Oh, man, you surprised me with that one. So I, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I I do agree that the, uh, the Trey Pistons they do got a little something going. Um, I think Blake is having the best season of his career. Um, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be. I mean, it, I don't know about that one. I'm gonna have to disagree. I'm gonna have to. I definitely got to take Philly with this. And um, I, I won't say seven. I say six games. Um, man, yeah, the, Blake will have to have to play out his mind to get them because I think it'd be if. He, like you said, he do get hurt. Ben Simmons, you know, suspect jump shot. But I think mm-hmm. if Embiid is healthy, Tobias Harris and, and Jimmy Butler, two guys you can count on to kind of, you know, bring, get them over the hump on this one if Detroit do put up the fight you expect them to put up. I think Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and, you know, they're enough addition to, to kind of make them better than what they were last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's see, that's your opinion. You see, you 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 know everybody look good on paper, but jo- you see right now, Joel and B starting to get hurt more now. He's starting to sit down and rest, but he just rest him same from the playoffs. I just think it's now because he's playing now a full what this is what eighty two games. I think he only missed this year. I want to say he missed about four or five games. That's pretty good for Joel and B to a guy who who is missing almost sixty games or eighty two games. But I just feel like Joel and B can't guard everybody. Uh, Jimmy Butler can't guard everybody because Jimmy Butler having games this year. He's been quiet on the offensive end too as well. So you're looking at where guys I've seen games where this 76 team has went cold. Uh, Jimmy Butler or J.J. Ray who can't get his shot. We know the playoffs is different. Brett Brown of the 76ers still hasn't put together that, that key moment in the game, 10-second play that will win the game for his team. He has to put a playbook together in the last 10 seconds to win his team to victory. There have been plenty of games I have watched that this team comes up short because Brett Brown does not know how to draw up a good play in clutch game situations. Why is the ball always in Ben Simmons' hands when it's time for game winners? That should not. The ball should not be in his hands. The ball should be in Jimmy Butler's hands because he can drive and create and he can also hit the 15-footer. Ben Simmons can't. I don't even trust his floater. This is the reason why I picked the Pistons <laughs> to win in seven. Because yeah, that team going to play with that fight. They greedy. They greedy. I mean, yeah, I, I ain't going to disagree with that. <laughs> you say you don't trust the man floater. I don't trust his float game. Moving along. The fourth and fifth seed. Man. The Pacers and the Celtics. Hmm. This been kind of crazy season for the Celtics and the Pacers because when the Pacers lost Victor Oladipo, shout out to my boy Victor Oladipo VO, State Feathery. Um, <laughs> when I'm looking at the, at the team of the Pacers, when we, we sat here and sit on this pod and we said, man, hey, the Pacers are going to fall out the playoffs because they lost a key a key a, uh, component to their team. And right. this team is still rolling. This team is still rolling. 
And this right here, if I had a vote right now, I already said who I thought should be coach of the year. If I, they say, hey, hey, Dante, who do you think should be coach of the year? I'm going to say Nate, Nate Millen because you lost your superstar. When most teams lose their superstars, they plummet. Look at the look look at the Lakers for instance. LeBron James missed eighteen games. They was a four seed. He missed eighteen games. They can't even get into playoffs. They can't even they can't they can't find a win. Right, right. True. So you're looking at Victor Oladipo. They still got Demontis Sabonis, Wesley Matthews, uh, Miles Turner, Tyreek Evans. This team, Bobanovich. This team is playing with a chip on their shoulder. Why? They hear it on TV. They saying this team should not be. A four seed. This team should be an AC fighting for a playoff berth. But this team shows so much resiliency that this team plays hard day in and day out. Nate Miller was a tough guard when he played for that Seattle Supersonics team. He knows what it takes to get this team over the hump, over adversity. This is what I like from him. This team is a good matchup because you don't know what you're going to get from this Jacko and High Boston Celtics team. You don't know if Gordon Hayward is going to give you 30 points. You don't know if Kyrie Irving is not going to play. Because when they get deep in the playoffs, where's Kyrie Irving at? On the bench. Street <laughs> clothes. Saying the earth is flat. All these things come into an existence. You got players like. Marcus Smart, go ask Kyrie. Kyrie, go message. You go ask Marcus. This team doesn't trust one another. I don't care what they say after that West Coast trip that they had. They went four, what four and one on a five game West Coast trip. At the end of the day, everything looked good and sounds good when you win. But can this team put together a playoff run like none other? Can the coach of the Celtics, Brad Stevens? And no, I was one of I'm not gonna lie, see, I was one of the guys that you know he he got Popovich type like pl- coaching styles. But at the end of the day, you know one thing he don't have he ain't got compared to great Popovich rings. Popovich can back it up because he know to take his players in and take them out. I still think Brad Stevens still haven't found that that B lineup that he's looking for for the players. Most we in the time now, teams already know what their players are. They in their rotation. What their A and B squad? The Celtics still hasn't figured out. What you what you what you gotta say about that, Marcus? Man, so my thoughts on this one is I'm gonna have to disagree again. I think you know it was real cute what the Pacers did. You know when Victor Rodriguez went out. You know they made they they stayed afloat, made it to the fourth seed. Um, yeah, but that's regular season. Now we're getting in the playoffs. And we saw what this team did without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward last year. They made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, you know, Kyrie back, that's a big shot maker. You know, the biggest shot in, you know, Cleveland history, NBA Finals history, win game Mm -hmm. seven. He got the playoff Mm -hmm. experience. He got uh, Mm -hmm. Marcus Smart playoff experience. Like, their whole roster is is now playoff tested guys, so I think they can, especially if they don't do if they can't do it again against the Victor Oladipo list Indiana Pacers, they need to just break mm-hmm. them up at the, this, at the end of this year. They just got to need to break it up if they can't beat this Pacers team without Victor Oladipo. They need 
I think they need to come out right away and get this team out of here in five games. If they go any more than five so, games, to me, it's disappointing. <laughs> so you're saying that the Boston Celtics and the Pacers matchup, because that will, according to paper, goes 10 games, that will be your first round matchup. Only thing I can jock, jock spaces with them, either Boston go up to three, Pacers fall down to, uh, to the fifth seed, or they can just stay four. So you got the three teams, 76ers, Pacers, and and the Celtics, only thing that split them is just it's a half a game. It's a half a game. And I just mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. that this that this Pacers team got something to offer. I'm a low key I'm a low key Pacers fan, low key when it comes to NBA League pass. I'm a low key Pacers fan because I like Victor Depot. I was I was following him in every season in Indiana, playing with uh Cody Zeller, who actually played for the Hornets. And I'm looking at saying to myself, when he was in Orlando, I said he got picked third. No, he got picked, I want to say he got picked fifth. Yeah, he got picked fifth in that draft. And I always, always talk, told myself, watching that NBA draft, so they're getting Deion Weathers in the Cavaliers uniform, we should have Victor Oladipo would have been a nice complimentary piece to go along with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. Because if Kyrie would have left, you used to have Victor Oladipo to go along right, with LeBron. Right, right. And that's where I thought the Cavaliers messed up because Deion Waiters been injury prone his whole career now. Yeah. The most healthy he's ever been. He played for the Heat. Probably about 22. The, the whole thing that he ever been, Deion Waiters was in the Cavaliers uniform. So True. I'm just looking at where that these teams, I, I, I I'm going to them with this one. Like I guess I got. To, I'm, I'm gonna say the Pacers. I'm gonna say the Pacers clip these Celtics. Ain't no more Lucky Charms. No more <laughs> clam chowder. Cut, cut that. No more four leaves clover. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say this, folks. Celtics fans or Boston Bean Town, whatever y'all call yourself. <laughs> I'm going with the Pacers in this one. Pacers is I'm going with this one. Pacers and Pacers and seven. Take out two of the upset picks. You got Detroit and the Pacers. Every time That's these two crazy. teams play, they go, they they either go to overtime or come to a game or a game winning shot. I am going with the Pacers because if the Pacers beat Boston, and you got to realize right now Boston, but right now the Pacers got home home court advantage. If the Pacers That's come. True. And win a game at home, oh, man, the morale is high because guess what's going to happen? The Celtics got to come out and play every game. Like, it's a game seven. It's just an urgency would be on the Celtics. Then you gotta, they're going to turn back and look at Brad Stevens. We thought you right. was going to be that coach that we, we thought you was. So I'm looking at that. That's what I'm going with. Before we cut it off, folks, Zion yeah. is back. Zion is back. We say we saving the best for last. Zion Williams is back. Coming back, since he came back, this team has been on on a roll. New shoes, no more Paul George. Kyrie Irving took a jab. I don't think it was, I don't think it was jab. He took a jab at Paul George to his shoes. You know, he got some good shoes that won't deteriorate. Last time I checked, <laughs> last time I checked, Kyrie Irving, Paul George were Nikes. Kyrie Irving were Nikes. And you know what? I'm gonna just ask my. I worked the ACC tournament. <laughs> I turned the floor. I can't. I can't blame the Nikes. 
I can't blame the Nikes. His jab step is so long, folks. He leaves blue, whatever color shoes he's had worn, he leaves that color on the floor. So it's not the shoes. It's a 68, 285-pound Zion Williamson. He's leaving streaks That's on the floor. Boy. Let's get that first. Let's get down the way first and foremost. He's a big dude. First and foremost, he's a big man hooping in, 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 a, in a low-top shoe. That dude, look at LeBron James. You don't see LeBron James who's been low top. He might have a mid top one to have anchor protection. But Paul George, but not Paul George, but Zayon Williamson is a number one pick. And he's out there hooping a low tops. No, man. You're going to put these high tops on and you're going to take them ankles up first and foremost. Let's talk about that. And he probably wear the same shoes through practice. So when Kyrie ever took a jab at his fellow counterpart in Nike saying his shoes deteriorate, how bad that look for Nike, for him saying that about a Nike shoe? Because the same people who make them. So if, if that Paul George deteriorate, what, what you think that what you think gonna happen to the Kyrie Irving that you wear all the time? It's gonna do the same thing. These shoes are made within fifteen the seconds. They are glue sticks. Half these shoes are not made to be, <laughs> made to be worn. Half of these shoes are made to just look good with jogging pants and jeans. Right. Those are facts. <laughs> these are true, actual statements. Coming from Kyrie Irving, shoes deteriorate. If you don't believe me, go look it up. And you know, by me working there, walking past the media and hearing certain things, a couple of NBA executives was in the building, and I heard this. I'm not gonna say no names, no team. I got to tell y'all this. They said Zion Williamson. Everybody knows this, but coming for coming from the four NBA executives that I was standing next to, said these things. Zion is the number one draft pick. But wait, there's more. They actually said, these are the knocks on Zion. Stamina. He need, need to get his endurance up. His stamina to be a, he's going to tire real fast. He's got to play an 82 okay. game season. He got to get his stamina up. Number two, they say he has to work on his free throws. He's, his free throw release is terrible. He don't have a good free throw percentage. Number three, he has to find a go-to move. Yeah, he definitely don't got one. <laughs> he has to find a go-to move. This is what the NBA execs are saying when I was right there. Number four, it says, we got a lot of guys in the league that do the same thing like him, that can go to the hole and dunk the ball. Zion right. don't have a hook shot. Zion don't have a go-to move. Zion yeah, got to find is not ways. a go-to move. <laughs> Duncan's not a go-to move. That's a highlight reel, folks. They said Zion is a once-in-a-lifetime generational player. The NBA executive said whoever drafted him will have to put a lot of work in with him. Because steaming from all of that, I'm taking it back. The guy said this. If he get injured, is he going to come back as the same player that he once was? Is he going to be explosive? And the reason I'm saying that right. is this is the same stuff me and Mark talk about on the podcast. If you're not you heard here, it here first, you heard it here first. Tell your grandma, tell your uncle, tell the guy who cut your hair, the guy who, the woman who do your do your nails. Tell them to plug in to After Hours for the Man Cave. We've been saying this stuff. We don't have no genie in the bottle. We ain't got three wishes. 
our wish to y'all is y'all download the podcast. Sit there and listen to it. We are doing this. They said Zion need to work on a lot of stuff to be great. There's going to be some games. The lane's going to get clawed up. He's not going to dunk on everybody. That's what he's saying. He's a great player. No doubt about it. I still think the hidden talent on that team is Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish plays so much better when there's no Zion in the lineup. These are facts, folks. This not really believe it or not. This this Tay Wiz and Marcus Thompson tell you the truth. Right. As always. As always. So once everything come out, we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna leave on this note. These are your number these are your teams that I consider as number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. We're gonna pick our four, we're gonna tell you that's it. Number they got Virginia. They 29-3, but they lost to Florida State in the semifinals. You got Gonzaga at 30 Duke wins and 33 losses. Okay. And Duke. Duke is 29 wins and 5 losses. Net ranking is 3. Who's your number one? They just won an ACC championship. I was there when is that. It's time to coach, um, assistant coach Nate James, man. Real nice guy to talk to. Uh, Tennessee, 29-5. They also got ran out the gym by Auburn. So you're looking at Kentucky, 27-6, had a, a superb season. Okay. North Carolina at 27-6. They lost to Duke in their semifinals. Michigan State is 27-6. They could be a possible number one. They right now they're playing Michigan. And you got Michigan right now at 28-5. So any one of these teams can be a number one seed. First and foremost, who's your the number one overall number one seed to me? Hands down, probably be Gonzaga. They're the only team who has 30 wins. Their resume speaks for themselves. They have three losses. And this team is deep. So that's my number one seed. Who are your number one seed, Marcus? Overall number one seed. Overall? Uh, I'm going to agree. I think it's Gonzaga as well. I think they're the number one overall seed. And I think, based on what Duke just did with Zion mm-hmm. back, that'd be my t- number two overall seed. So that okay. So I got Gonzaga, uh, Duke, uh-huh. uh, and then I think uh, North Carolina deserve a, a number one seed as well. I was well. gonna say the same thing. I was gonna say North Carolina. I think uh, I, I think Tennessee messed up because Tennessee, Tennessee was gonna be number one seed because they got they got blown out. You can't get blown out right. of the championship game. You can't do that. I mean, that is a big no-no. Like they, they would have won that. Uh, they conference championship. They would have been my fourth number one seed. But instead, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards uh, Virginia, even though they lost to Florida State. I think three number one ACC teams. I mean, that's crazy. But I think those are honestly the best. Four teams. You that's, know, what I was going, that's what I was going with. So we're on the same page there because Michigan State and Michigan and Kentucky have some key crucial losses. And like I said, number one overall seed would be Gonzaga. Number two would probably be Duke. Three would be North Carolina. Number four would be Virginia. And that's how I think it's going to happen when selection show come on. And I think that's how it's going to be. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you all for listening. Tune in. Like I said, we on... Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Stitcher, everywhere. Stitcher, we 
everywhere. iTunes. We everywhere. Um, how to get to us after hours. Live from the Man Cave on all platforms. Social media. AFH underscore Man Cave. That's Twitter. And the same thing. After hours. Live from the Man Cave on Instagram. I'm Tay Wicks. This is Mark Sane. We out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to After Hours Live from the Man Cave podcast. If you would like to hear more from me and my man Tay Wiggs, please go to your favorite podcast listener and subscribe to us. We are just about everywhere nowadays. We're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to us to hear more. Oh, and before I go, please also hit up our Anchor profile page. That's anchor.fm forward slash after hours live from the man cave. And click that little purple button that says support this podcast and help us out. Peace.